In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And we realize that it's by God's mercies alone that we're even able to present ourselves to the Lord, that we're able to present our bodies a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable to God. Because we could not present ourselves, we could not approach the Lord with anything that would be acceptable in His sight in our own efforts. So because God has made us spiritually alive and you put your faith in Jesus and you've been what's called born again, made alive spiritually, it's completely reasonable now for us to live our lives as holy before the Lord. In this world that we live in, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that following Jesus isn't exactly on the top of public opinion. Quite frankly, it seems that everything is against Jesus and His followers. Now, this may be hard for us to swallow in this day and age today, hearing that everything is against Jesus, but for the church in Rome to, to whom Paul is writing, it was a given. They understood that. It was just the way that it was. Society, absolutely against Jesus. And society, being absolutely against Jesus' followers, being too much like Jesus. See, you can be a quote-unquote follower of Jesus today and it will be accepted or even tolerated if you aren't like Jesus and don't firmly hold to the truths found in the Bible. Those are the types of Christians that the world embraces and will accept. You're a follower, you call yourself a Christian and as long as you're not like Jesus, you're absolutely cool. The type of Christian that Posts on Instagram one day a scripture and then their next post is flipping the camera off. The type of Christian that parties and gets wasted on Friday nights and shows up to church on Sunday morning. The type of Christian that doesn't stand for anything. The type of Christian that's pro-abortion. You know, we call it pro-choice. You know, a woman can do whatever she wants with her body except it's not her body, it's the baby's body. The type of Christian that's for promoting homosexuality and then gets up at their church and leads worship. Now, upon hearing these things this morning, some of you may be very, very angry or upset that the pastor would say these kind of things from the pulpit at church on Sunday morning. Well, I'm sorry if you feel upset. But the reality is, is that the Christian that is not living Christ-like as the name implies may very well be not a Christian at all. You might reply again to this. How in the world can you say that kind of thing? It's Father's Day! How can you say this? Well, I can say it because we have too much of the world moving into the lives of the Christian and it's hindering Christ from moving into the culture. We've gone so far that what is biblically and before God as righteous is being condemned as being narrow, bigoted, hateful, and wrong. And it doesn't stop there for everything that is forbidden by God as sin and that which hurts people, the individual, and the society is not only accepted but promoted. And I don't know if you've realized this or not, but there is a tremendous amount of pressure on the true follower of Jesus to change what he believes. 
to accept what he doesn't believe or be utterly ostracized and silenced. I mean, just a few days back, last weekend, last Sunday, the worst, the worst mass shooting in our country's history happened in Orlando. And what an atrocity. A man goes into a gay club and just starts shooting people. And I couldn't help but think about those individuals that were killed and how our heart breaks for them and how our heart hurts for that community. But I couldn't help but think how that if those individuals who were killed would have heard the gospel and knew how much God loved them and could help them, that maybe they would never have been in that club to begin with. But instead, we promote the things that are against God that leave people feeling empty no matter how much pleasure they experience and regardless of how much a lifestyle is promoted. Our society pushes people in a direction that is against, is against God. And then we see the fallout and we see the hurt and we see the pain and our heart breaks. For the families that lost loved ones. Where are we in stemming the tide of evil that is rapidly rising in our own communities? In Isaiah 5, verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. There is a better way than the world offers because all the world can offer is temporal pleasure that ends in emptiness and in death. Yet silence the Christian. Shut down God's Word. This has Satan written all over it. He was a murderer from the beginning and those that commit such things are just like him. The only hope that this world has, that our country has, is found in this book that we call the Bible. It's God's Word. Some people think, oh, you know, God's just ruining my fun. No, God's trying to save you from pain and from sorrow and from emptiness and loneliness and addiction and destruction. That's why Jesus came. For God so loved you that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Look at our school systems. Look at our government. Look what's happening in our world today and violence abounding and perversion abounding and all of these things. Yet, it's due to the fact that we are removing God from every area of life. So the world will say, be the kind of Christian that is not like Jesus and will accept you. Be just like us and you can call yourself whatever you want. So, in light of all the things that should be extremely obvious to all of us here today, what does the Bible say to the Christian that is living in a decadent, God-rejecting society, pressuring Christians to conform to their standards? Well, very clearly, in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world. Point number one, do not conform. Do not conform. The word for conformed in the Greek language actually means to fashion oneself or one's mind, one's character to the patterns of the world. 
To fashion yourself after what the world is doing. In Romans 8.29, you remember what it said back when we studied it. It says that we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus. And if we have the same form as Jesus, then how do we reconcile our Christianity with the world's beliefs? Well, the answer is very simply and unfortunately, we cannot. This is the epitome of one of those things that would fall under the heading of irreconcilable differences. To be conformed to the world is to estrange yourself from Jesus. The world creeping in to the church. The world creeping in to the Christian's life. That we're conforming ourselves to the world's standards. And yet we wonder, why is the world not impacted by the church at large? Because the world is so much influencing the church that people in the church look exactly as people that don't even believe in Jesus. In Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Basically, you can't serve the true God and a false God. So when Paul writes that we're not to fashion ourselves after the things of the world, the word used in the Greek for the word used in the Greek for the world actually can mean not just world, but it means literally a period of time or age. And I find this very fascinating. If he says, "And do not be conformed to this world," he could say, "Do not fashion yourself after this." particular age or this period of time and as I mentioned this is very interesting because it deals with the immutable truths of God regardless of the changes in time and culture what our society may call progressive is really regressive or if we use the negative sense of the word progressively evil meaning that that the values Over time, change within culture, but regardless of those changes, God's truth remains the same for the follower of Jesus. I mean, look how much our own country's changed. Here we are in 2016. Look how much it's changed since 1950. Look at television. Look at the things that were promoted. Now, for those of you that have young kids, I really strongly caution you against the certain certain cartoons and things that you think are kid-appropriate. I can't tell you how many times we've had to be like, nope, we're not watching this. And now even like, let me watch this kid's show before you watch this kid's show. Have you ever noticed that kid's shows are actually promoting rude speaking to parents, making adults look like idiots. And all of a sudden, these phobias and fears that your kid never had are now acquired because now he knows that he should be afraid of the dark because the little character is afraid of the dark on the TV show. And the world is using these things to influence our children and influence our society. We've got to be careful. You've got to watch out for YouTube as well. Now, this isn't being like, oh, this is Christian legalistic pastor up here. No, it's called common sense, man. This is the way it is. The world we live in, you go on, oh, look at this. This is a nice little uh, uh, thing for, for the children to watch. And it's some pervert that has changed all the the words to foul curse words on the children. They dubbed over all the kids' things. And I was like, what in the world? So you can't let your kids have free reign on the iPads or the iPhones or on YouTube or any of this kind of stuff because garbage goes in and it's trying to attack the mind. 
So we got to be careful of that stuff. You got to watch out for your children because sometimes you're just tired and you might say, hey, go watch something on, you know, Netflix or whatever and it's not appropriate. So don't get lazy and let your children look at things that they shouldn't be looking at. I remember for Hudson's birthday, you know, sometimes you have to get really old programs for them to, to talk about principles and ethics and, and truth. You know, uh, the old 1950s uh, Superman TV show. I don't know if any of you guys remember that, the original black and white Superman TV show that, that says Superman, who fights for truth and justice in the American way. I mean, now that's considered racist and politically incorrect. You know, which truth? Justice for whom? And God forbid that Americans be pro-America. TV has slowly but oh so surely desensitized us to so many things. And the truth is biased as the station you're watching. I don't know if you've heard of the band Switchfoot. Uh, They wrote this song entitled Selling the News, and I thought it was so appropriate to share with you just a few of the verses from this song. Uh, But listen to this, and I quote, See, opinions are easier to swallow than facts. The grays instead of the whites and the blacks, if they shoot it too straight, it won't come back. We're selling the news. America listens as the story is told with the eye on the truth as the story unfolds. But the ratings determine which story was sold. We're selling the news. Begging the question, mongering fears, stroking the eyes and tickling ears. The truth is seldom just as it appears. We're selling the news. Substance, oh substance, where have you been? You've been replaced by the masters of spin who make good-looking books and write history in. We're selling the news. The lines start to blur. I get so confused. I get shiny new models mixed up with the blues. I get binary code mixed up with abuse. The facts are simply one option to choose. When nothing is sacred, there's nothing to lose. When nothing is sacred, all is consumed. We're still on the air. It must be the truth. We're selling the news. End of quote. You know, you usually see by season two of whatever TV show you're watching on Netflix that all the propaganda and liberal perspectives start flooding in. And man, season one is so great, isn't it? You watch season one, man, this is the best show in the world. There's no sex, there's no violence, there's no cursing. This is great. But then you just wait for season two to come around. And now you've seen it so much that you're conditioned to thinking that it's normal. It's everywhere. It's just the way that it is. And then boom, you're conformed. Right there in your face. And you become desensitized to it. Conformed. So regardless of the date, you know, circa, dot, 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 whatever, the Christian has a moral compass. The follower of Jesus has a landmark so to speak, to look to in order to find his bearings. See, society changes all the time. I mean, we're even now attempting to go back and rewrite history with our present-day our present-day morals. It's called writing anachronistically, or it's called anachronistic, where you take present-day values and you go back into history and insert them. See, being a rebel nowadays is the man or woman who stands up for Jesus. See, people want to rage against the machine, fight the system, but what about the world system controlled by Satan? Who's going to fight for those that are hurting? Who's going to make a stand for what is right? It seems that Satan has literally, literally set the course 
to destruction, the world's course on autopilot straight towards destruction. And so when the world's telling you as a Christian to conform, to be like everybody else, God's Word tells us not to conform. Do not conform. But be transformed. Point number two, be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, some of you that were in science in school and liked it, you might appreciate this. For some of you, it might cause you to have flashbacks. I'm not sure. But this word transformed in the Greek is where we get our English word metamorphosis. You probably learned that in sixth grade science class. You know, this is the supernatural man that Paul is talking about. See, I'm born conformed to this world. I'm just like everybody else living their life. The supernatural man doesn't live conformed to the world, though he has every right and every natural ability to do so. See, when you're born, you have every natural ability to live a natural life in one way or another. Yet for the man that has been born again or made alive spiritually, this person has a unique ability, a supernatural ability, that is not natural to man. It is supernatural. This word where we get our English word metamorphosis is where we, you remember, the caterpillar goes into, into its cocoon and over a certain amount of time it pops out a butterfly. Obviously I'm simplifying the process, but you understand. Reality, in reality, it's the description of really going from ooh to ah. Right? Little, little squiggly, squishy looking little caterpillar, all these little legs, like, ugh. The butterfly, it's always been, ah. And the same thing happens for you and for me. See, when we're born again, when we're made alive spiritually, when we put our faith in God, we go from, ugh, in sin to, ah, in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, during, if you study history, and especially history of science, during the Renaissance period, this word transformed actually suggested a change in the basic nature that seemed miraculous. So when you would use this word metamorphosis or this transformation, a uh, word to describe transformation, they would use it in such a way that it was the basic nature of something changed and it almost seemed miraculous, if not miraculous. And we know that the transformation that takes place in the life of those that put their faith in Jesus is truly miraculous. It really is. Would you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, please? Uh, it's... There in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 2. Just real quickly, I'd like you to read this with me. You don't have to read it out loud, but just read along on this subject of being transformed. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience, whom we know as Satan. Verse 3, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as everybody else. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, verse 7, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is the miraculous thing that takes place in the life of that man or that woman who has put their faith in Jesus. So when the world pressures you as a Christian to conform, God's word says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind, which leads us to point three, which is be renewed. So do not conform do not conform, be transformed, and then thirdly, be renewed. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched this, but Ruth and I really love this show called Fixer Upper. Uh, it's this husband and wife team, maybe you've seen it, Chip, he's hilarious. Uh, in this husband and wife team, you know, they find homes that, you know, basically the, the, the most run-down home in the neighborhood, a, a home, and they, they renovate them, completely renovate them, and they make them look absolutely amazing. Uh, absolutely like they're just not even the same home i mean the show is so amazing and you can get property and homes uh, for such a low price i started to think huh vision city church waco texas has a nice ring to it that'd be a nice place for an extension campus just put a screen up here in irvine be like hey guys here's chip you know whatever you know and when paul says be transformed by the i think that's his name is his name chip Uh, When Paul says, transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's actually using a term associated with construction. That word renewed in the Greek actually means a renovating or completely changing for the better. A renovation. Many times people will think that if they put their faith in Jesus, that they're going to miss out on something. Uh, When you come to Jesus, it's a change for the better, not for the worse. The renewing of our minds is such a powerful process that takes place because, see, we see stuff and we hear things and we'll see those things and hear those things purposefully plus all those things that we didn't want to see or hear or experience impact us in such a major way. The foul words that pop into our minds, the images that are burned in our memory banks, the way that we think affects our actions, and our actions are either pleasing or displeasing to God. See, that moldy old wall has to be taken down in that house. Hey, this thing is completely destroyed. It's got to be renovated. We're going to put some windows in that part of the house to get some more light in here. We're going to give you a brand new everything. See, all that stuff's worn out, and you've had it since you were a little kid. All of those things, we're renovating. Those things you've experienced, we're giving you a new chance on life. The things that you've carried with you this whole time, we're going to make them into something new. This is being renewed in your mind. See, the way you view life and the way that you view yourself is going to be completely changed. Because you'll see things through God's eyes as you read His Word to find out what is truly good. What is truly righteous? Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you feel jaded or tainted. You were just doing what everybody else was doing and now you're living with the the regrets of those decisions. 
And Revelation 21.5, obviously in context, referring to the new heavens and new earth, etc. But we know that the Lord says, Behold, I make all things new. There are so many people today that have lost it in their minds. And what I mean by that is there are so many people due to trauma or environment and the like that can't seem to overcome their thoughts. And see, we as a society have pretty much adopted the motto, if you can't beat them, then join them when it comes to wrong thinking. If you can't beat those wrong thoughts, then you might as well just embrace those wrong thoughts and live it out. I can't overcome these thoughts, so I may as well just act upon them. And every person does what is right in their own eyes, and no one is able to help anyone with the hope of change. And so you lose hope. And this is the world that we live in with all these things that you can find on Amazon.com and everything that you can experience in this world. There has never been an age where hopelessness has abound like now. And you think, how is that even possible with all the experiences one can have? See, anything we do apart from God's plan leaves us feeling empty. And I know it seems like I'm really coming down hard on these things, but believe me, it's really a kickback to the mentality that we've been indoctrinated with that fulfillment can be found apart from God. And then Christians start embracing that kind of thing. Followers of Jesus. And that's why we have our fourth point this morning, which is prove what is truly good. So do not conform be transformed, be renewed, and fourthly, prove what is truly good. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, how often have we heard somebody say this exact phrase? You ready for this? Ready? Head nod? Yeah? Prove it. How many times have you heard somebody say, prove it like in response to you know you said you're tough and then what do they say prove it i played basketball yesterday and i said that i could dunk prove it i can hold my breath for two minutes prove it you get the picture when it says that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, it's saying that you actually get to test it out and find out that God's plan is good, well-pleasing, and perfect. You can personally test it and see that God's way is the best way in every way. You can prove that God's way is good, meaning pleasant, agreeable, joyful, honorable, excellent. You can prove that it is acceptable. It's well-pleasing to the Lord. Perfect, complete, full. It brings you to the finish line, so to speak. See, by not being conformed to this world, but being transformed supernaturally by God, your mind is renewed and you're able to determine the things that are good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Because you've been renewed, because you've been washed and you've been forgiven and you've been born again and made alive spiritually, because you have not conformed to this world, but you've been transformed, made alive spiritually, you were dead in sins, you were, oh, ah, and then the new creation, forgiven, made alive. 
And then you renew it in your mind so that you actually can discern what is truly good and what is not because everybody out there has an opinion on it. And if everybody does what's right in their own eyes, where do I know to find absolute truth? It's found in God's Word. In 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and 16, it says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? Because if you don't have the mind of Christ, you're buying what they're selling. And if right is wrong, and wrong is right, then you just adapt. In one moment, it may be one thing, and the next, something completely different. Because fads change, and styles change, and morals change. Look at our own country. That's why he says that this Word of God, this transformation, this standard, it transcends time. It transcends the decade, the century. It transcends the fads. The, the, Yet yeah, we decide today that this is right and then tomorrow we decide that that same thing's wrong. It, it is above all of those things and it never changes. Because it says in 1 Peter 1.25 that the Word of God or the Word of the Lord endures forever. In Hebrews 13.8 it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How is that for consistency? Man, we love Consistency. And I love to be able to trust that that person will be there when they say they'll be there. They're consistent. I mean, there is not a better track record of consistency than the Word of God. It has never changed since day one. Societies have changed, but the Word of God has not changed, meaning God Himself has not changed. So, how is the Christian to live in this world? How is the supernatural man or woman able to live counterculturally. How are we to prepare ourselves to help those around us and be effective in our witness to the world? Well, here's the answer. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is it. This is it. The world is getting worse and worse and worse. And every single one of us, myself included, even as the pastor of this church, is pressured to conform to the world. Conform. Hey man, you can call yourself whatever you want as long as you are not like Jesus. As long as you don't believe in what the Bible says, you do whatever you want and I'm absolutely cool with that. We've got to understand, this is the world that we live in. For the church in Rome, that was the way society was back then. And like I said, we think that we're being progressive and we're really regressing to the failures of society before us, to history, looking back at the mistakes that they've made and we're going the way of the world. So we need to know, all right, Lord, what are we to do? How am I to live? Because I go to my job, I go to the grocery store, I go play basketball, 
I go anywhere and it's just there's always like this weird pressure of I don't want to say I'm a Christian or I don't want to say that, you know, this is what the Bible says. You know, I go and, and, and it's there and it exists. And the pressure is for you to conform. You, all of you, every single one of you here today naming Jesus that you would conform to the world standards and forsake God's. So that's why we need to hold on to these things. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it may cost you something. It may have already cost you something. But I'm telling you, the closer you get to Jesus, the closer that you are to Him, the clearer that line becomes defined between the things of the world and the things of the Lord. And right now, they're trying to blur the edges. They're trying to blur that line. They're trying to become, make this one ecumenical, amorphous blob of a religion that doesn't stand for anything, that doesn't hold to any truth that's found in God's Word because Jesus made Himself mutually exclusive from every other religion in the world, saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man gets to the Father but through Me. And so... We need to know what the Word of God says because there are people that are hurting in this world and we want to share with them the love of God. And I want to see them come to know the Lord and that should be our hearts that they would experience the love of God before they find themselves in a place where they're like, how did I get here? Before they find themselves in a place leading to destruction or even being in that place of, uh, of hurt and anguish because we have a society that tells people, go for it. If you can't beat the bad thoughts, join the bad thoughts and just act out on those thoughts. When there's actually a better way that God created them to know them as He's created all of us, sinners and all of us, we've all blown it, that, that He created us to know Him personally. And this is what God's Word says. This isn't something we smack people over the head with. You know, some Bibles can be pretty weighty too, man. You can whip this pretty nicely. We're to share the truth, speak the truth in love with people. Speak the truth in love. This doesn't remove the seriousness of the situation. This doesn't remove the consequences of sin. This is a serious thing, but it's to be done in love. And that's how the Bible tells us they'll know that we're Christians, by our love. And so, if verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12 are not memorized yet, if they're not on that, what we'd call maybe a life verse list, if they're not posted somewhere, you need to add those. You need to highlight them in your Bible. You need to highlight them on your YouVersion Bible app. You know, highlight them up. Oh, what does it say? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for this day that we have enjoyed, Lord, the beautiful roasting hot day outside and it's Father's Day. And Lord, we thank you for all the men, Lord, that you have raised up as fathers. And I pray, God, that they would be those husbands they would be those fathers, they would be those men that live with integrity and godly character. Lord, we know we make mistakes, and Lord, we've done things that we shouldn't have done, but we confess those things to you and ask you to help us, Lord, to be better dads and to be better leaders of our families. And Lord, we know that you forgive us, you empower us, because Lord, being a good dad is impossible for us to do apart from your strength. We need your strength and we need your help. And Lord, 
for that matter, Lord, we, we, need, we need your Holy Spirit and your strength to be those men and women living in this world, Lord. Lord, there's so many things where we could cut corners spiritually, Lord, where we can tone it down and, and Lord, be watered down. And Lord, the salt, as you said, would lose its savor. And Lord, it's then good for nothing. So I pray, Lord, that we would truly be the salt of the earth in that we would hold back the rot and decay of society's immorality and that we would be able to be a light that shines in darkness. And even when they call evil good and good evil, we would know what is truly good and what is truly evil because we're able to discern it because we've been transformed. We've been renewed in our mind and we have not conformed to this world. And so, Lord, I pray today that if there are any here uh, this morning, maybe they are hurting, maybe they are lonely, maybe they are empty, maybe they're experiencing things that they, they never thought they would ever experience. Lord, maybe the fact that they're even here at church today, Lord, is, is a huge testimony, Lord, to the fact that you work because, Lord, maybe they've been turned off by uh, Christians that weren't very Christian. Lord, they weren't really like Jesus. But, Lord, I pray that today... God, if there are some here or even watching online that do not know you personally as their Lord and Savior, that they would understand today very simply yet very clearly how much you love them, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for all of their sins. And Lord, that they don't have to continue down a path that is going in the wrong direction. They don't have to. That's why you came, to seek and to save those that are lost. And all of us are lost, Lord, without you. And so, Lord, I pray that if there are any here that do not know you, that they would put their faith in you today. I pray for those, Lord, that might be regular churchgoers. Lord, maybe they have walked away from you, Lord. Maybe, Lord, they're, they're not where they, where they should be. Maybe they found themselves conforming to what the world says is okay and ignoring, Lord, what you say is okay and not okay. And I pray, Lord, if there are those here that know exactly what it is that they have conformed to the world in, that they would confess that. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today, and, and, and I'm talking about a habitual lifestyle choice where you've conformed to the world, and you have found yourself in a place of regularly, habitually doing something that you know is against God, then if you're saying, man, I'm a Christian, but I'm doing these things, then you need to confess that sin and repent from that means turn from it. And so just take a few seconds before the Lord in your own heart and your own mind and say, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So just take a few moments before the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive me? And confess that sin, whatever it is, to the Lord. And if you're here this morning or watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus and, and, and this isn't an acknowledgement that he exists because we can acknowledge that things exist without putting faith in it. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus, whether you've been to church or you've never been to church, but you've never committed your life to the Lord and you'd like to today, then with every eye closed and head bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I would like to commit my life to the Lord today. I'd like to give my life to Jesus. I'd like to be forgiven of my sins. Nobody's looking around, but I'm asking you just raise your hand wherever you're at and say, yes, uh, that's me. I'd like to give my life to the Lord today. And if you're watching on a screen somewhere, you can raise your hand as well. And I'd just like to lead you in this very simple prayer. Would you repeat it after me if, 
this is your choice to commit your life to the Lord and say, Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned, but I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you love me, even knowing everything about me. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. And I thank you that you have forgiven me of all my sin. Would you fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and give me your strength that I may be who you've created me to be. For I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.